Welcome, Pathway family. I am so glad that you're here for this uh, second week of our series, Shine, really where we've been talking not only about how that we can shine the light of Jesus Christ locally, but how also that we can shine his light all over the world. And and as I was thinking about what we're going to be talking about today, I thought about a very uh, specific event that happened to me uh, several years ago when I was traveling in southern India. And I was speaking to a group of poor rural pastors at a leadership conference. And if you look at this picture here, you can see me. I'm in the front, actually, with the, the, the blue shirt on there on the front of the stage. And, and, and as I was there with all of those pastors and their wives at this conference, I understand all these people, they were very, very poor, uh, most of them not very highly educated, and they were from very uh, desperate and remote parts of India. And I was there kind of to teach them and to kind of swoop in like the uh, great American hero pastor or something. But I want to let you know that actually what happened was something far different. You see, at the conclusion of that conference, what actually caught me off guard was when they were taking an offering. And the offering they took was actually a collection of offerings that were brought from all of their churches from all of these desperately poor places in India. And this collection of offerings was actually to help send out Christ-following missionaries to neighboring Indian states and adjoining countries to be able to move forward the good news about Jesus. And these groups of people, understand, were very different than them that they spoke different languages, that they were of different cultures. And in many situations, they actually had tense relationships with these groups of people. And as I sat there uh, in front of all of these uh, men and women and watched this offering taking place, there was actually something inside of me that was saying, what are you doing? You're the ones that should be receiving this offering. I mean, you're poor. I mean, what about your own communities? This offering should be for you. But then I realized really in those moments, these men and women were actually way ahead of me spiritually. They were way ahead of me. I mean, these men and women in this room, I wish you could have seen their hearts. They were on fire. They meant business. I mean, they weren't playing around. They had heard the call and the command of Jesus to go and shine his light, and they were doing it. They they were living out, they were living, they were breathing out what Acts 1-8 says when Jesus told us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see that day as I was watching those men and women, they were the heroes to me. They they were out there in front shining the light of Jesus Christ out of their poverty. Out of their poverty, these Indian pastors were passionately following Jesus' call to shine his light and to make known his name to the ends of the earth. It was huge. And so today, that's what I want to talk about. That's what I want to talk about, shining the light of Jesus to the uttermost, to those uttermost parts of the earth. Now, the passage of Scripture that I want to take you to today to talk about that is actually in Acts chapter 16. And just to give you a little bit of a background about what's uh, going on there, in Acts chapter 15, uh, the Apostle Paul started out on the second missionary journey. 
But right after it got started, it kind of got derailed. Paul and his close missionary partner Barnabas got into a disagreement and they ended up parting ways. So Barnabas took Mark and they went to Cyprus, which is this huge island off the coast uh, to the west in the Mediterranean. And Paul took Silas and he headed toward Galatia to the churches they'd actually started on their first missionary journey. And one of the major objectives of this second missionary journey was to carry an important letter that had been written by the apostles at the Council of Jerusalem to help resolve some tension that had developed between the Christ-following Jews and the Christ-following Gentiles. But partway through this trip, really for no apparent reason that we can discern, Paul and Silas, they turned and they traveled 300 miles up to the north. And you, you would think that if God took them in that direction, they would have kind of been preaching the gospel all along the way. But the Holy Spirit kept them from sharing the message. In fact, it says in Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. And so I'm sure as Paul and his team traveled, things weren't working out quite like they thought they were. I mean, these guys had already traveled this huge distance. I mean, 300 miles. They hadn't even seen a single convert yet. And the truth was, the farther and farther they got from their homes, the more and more different the culture and the people were really from their own. These people were very secular. They were very polytheistic. And, and so I, I'm sure as Paul, Paul and his team, they were kind of starting to ask themselves some questions. They were having some doubts about, I mean, why are, why are we making this trip? I'm sure they were asking themselves, I mean, this trip seems like a whole bunch of work. We've gone a huge distance, and it doesn't seem like there's very much result, God. I mean, come on, God. Where are you at on this deal? And these people that we're going to, I mean, these people are so weird, and their, their cultures are so different than our own. I mean, I wish I would have stayed back home in Antioch. So much easier there. You know what? I think we're a lot like that when it comes to shining the light of Jesus to people who are in different parts of the world and are different than us. We have the same kind of thoughts. We have the same kind of questions. And we got thoughts and questions like, you know, why are we spending so much money in other countries, way over there, and we got so many problems here? I mean, that seems like a whole lot of work to be going doing all that. Got a lot of work we need to be doing around here. Or why should I go on a short-term mission trip or give any money? I mean, there's plenty of needs here that we need to be able to be taken care of. And those, for sure, they are. Those are real. Those are real thoughts. Those are real questions. We all have those kind of things. Those feelings are thoughts in our own mind. But the truth is, we know that five out of six people who don't know Jesus around the world will never have an opportunity to hear the gospel. Even though here in the United States we have a 95% saturation rate of the gospel. We know that poverty runs rampant 
around the world, yet we spend more money on trash bags annually than nearly half the world does on all of their household spending. And we know as well that every seven seconds a child dies of hunger around the world, though we're going to throw 14% of our food away today. So the truth is, as Christ followers, when we don't take action, when you and I don't take some kind of action, when, when we're not obedient to do what Jesus told us to do, to be able to shine his light through our words, through our deeds, then other people around the world get hurt because of it. That's the truth. That's what happens when you and I, when we get so preoccupied with ourselves that we don't move. Let's go back to our story. Let's see what happens uh, next. It says, beginning with verse 9, chapter 16, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen this vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So immediately, I want you to get that. Immediately. I mean, they're obedient to do what Jesus had called them to do in that vision, to head off to Macedonia, to follow Jesus's Macedonian call. His call to go really to the uttermost parts of the earth. And to me, this is huge historically because this is where the good news about Jesus begins to head to the Western world. This is huge in terms of how the good news of Jesus got to you and me. That's why this passage in many ways is so particularly to me interesting for you and I. And so Paul and his team, they get into this boat at Troas and they sail across the Aegean Sea to Macedonia. They land, in essence, in the uttermost part of the earth. And they end up landing just outside the city of Philippi. And just outside the Philippi, Philippi, that's where our story picks up, verse 13. It says, on the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Now, I've been to this river outside of Philippi. I mean, it's, it's uh, in northern Greece. It's a beautiful place. In fact, if you'd like to go with me there, I'm going again next May. Because here at Pathway, we go to these places. And what we're going to be doing on this trip is we're going to be retracing the steps, really, of the Apostle Paul on his missionary journeys and talking then specifically about this call about this call, this call of God that he has on really every one of our lives. So on the screen, you can see a link to find uh, more information out about that trip, uh, but it's an incredible spiritual pilgrimage uh, to go on. So I really want to encourage you to go and check that out. But at this river, though, in Philippi, it is where the Jews and other God-fearing Gentiles would have gathered outside of the city. And Paul went there because he knew 
that people who gathered there would likely be more receptive to the good news about Jesus. But in the end, the only person that the scripture records that responds to the message is a woman. It's Lydia, this lady who runs the cloth world over in the city of Thyatira. But remember, Paul's vision was a man from Macedonia. In the Roman culture, in Philippi, super masculine, very chauvinistic. So Paul had to be kind of wondering, how is the good news of Jesus going to advance in this kind of culture with a woman really being its first convert? But Paul keeps being faithful to follow Jesus' Macedonian call in his life, and he continues to shine the light. And the scripture records, goes on to say, that a slave girl then comes to know Jesus, a Philippian jailer comes to know Jesus, and his whole family, they're, they're all baptized, they come to know Jesus, and the church in Philippi is born. And what's so powerful about this is God did incredible things through the Philippian church. They shined the light of Jesus so brightly. You know, we know from the biblical record and history that the Philippian church really uh, became the healthiest and likely the most evangelistic church that the Apostle Paul had ever planted. And we know as well, like I mentioned earlier, that it was through the doorway, really, of the Philippian church that the gospel of Jesus Christ made its way to the entire Western world. It's made its way to you and me. You see, because Paul followed that Macedonian call, those orders of Jesus to go and be his witnesses, not just to where they were at, but to the uttermost parts of the world, it changed the world. You and I, we are sitting here today because they followed the Macedonian call. If they wouldn't have followed the Macedonian, you and I wouldn't be here today. That's how this is so huge. This is where it started. This is where it, it happened. And the rippling effects of following that call and that command were cataclysmic in a positive sense of how that it changed the world, how that you and I got here today. And you see, God calls us to do the same. God calls us to do exactly the same. So what can we learn then from the Apostle Paul here about how to follow Jesus' Macedonian call on all of our lives and shine his light really to the uttermost parts of the earth? Well, the first thing that we can do is shine the light of Jesus by remembering People are desperate. They're desperate. That, that's what Paul did. He remembered the Macedonian call. The man, remember in the scripture, says he was begging him. He was begging him, come over here and help us. You see, the people in Macedonia, they were clamoring around in spiritual darkness. And we know that's true because of Lydia from, from the slave girl, from the Philippian jailer. God was trying to help Paul see people were hurting without the good news of Jesus. And they needed help. It reminds me of a letter that uh, we received recently from one of our global partners in Kenya. And our partner there runs a safe house for women who are escaping Islam. And they shared a story about a lady named Maria who came to their safe house from Somalia. And Maria's story is that her mom died when she was young and her dad left her to live with her aunt. But her aunt treated her horribly, like a slave. Never allowed her to go to school even though her own children went to school every day. Every morning she was woke up by having cold water thrown on her. And she was given all the hard labor every day and she was regularly beaten by her aunt. One day though, she traveled to another town with her aunt. 
And while Marie was there, she tried to run away. And she saw a church building and thought to herself, that'd be a good place to hide because they'll never look for me in a church. So she asked the guards if she could go inside and she walked in and saw people beautifully singing gospel songs for the very first time. She loved the songs and she began to ask the worship team questions and they told her that the only way to heaven was through Jesus. But she was confused and she didn't really understand what they meant. She was afraid to kind of ask them if she could stay there and sleep, so in the end she went back to her aunt. And her aunt acted like at first that she was worried about her, but when they got home, that aunt locked her in a room and beat her with a stick. And while being beaten, Maria cried out, where is Jesus that, that takes people to heaven? I just want to die. And, and when her aunt heard her say that, she got even more upset and said, this girl has somehow become a Christ follower. So what they did was they took Maria and they chained her in a dark room and they told her that they were going to execute her because she had changed her religion. But Maria told them she hadn't changed her religion because Maria really didn't know anything about Christ following. So they removed Maria's chains and they released her so she could get back to work. However, at that point, Maria was very curious and the Holy Spirit began to do a work in her heart. And ultimately, she found our Pathway Partners Christian Facebook page in Kenya. And our partner began to share the good news of Jesus with Maria. And through social media and over time, Maria surrendered her life to Jesus. But then what happened was rumors began to surface that Maria had given her life to Jesus. Her life then was threatened, and so Maria knew that she needed to escape, and Maria escaped then to Kenya, to where our partner's at. And when Maria arrived in Kenya, she the only thing she had on her back was just barely her clothes. She was very sick, and she had a very a severe head wound. But they nursed Maria back to health, and she has since made a full recovery and now does social media ministry even though it puts her life in danger now so that she can connect to others, and she has. She's connected to several of her friends over in Somalia, and she's led them to Christ. Isn't that great? Praise God. That's how powerful God is. So please know today, people around the world, they're in so much need. They're in so much need. They're longing to be able to experience the light and the life of Jesus just like Maria did. And one of the greatest ways, I think, that we can shine the light of Jesus to desperate people and to desperate places in our world is through our giving. You know, you've heard me say it time and time and again, but we're the richest 5% of people in the world. I mean, even the poorest people here in the United States have a much higher standard of living than the poor in, uh, of people of other countries. So God, I believe, has gifted us uniquely financially as Christ followers in the United States to be able to facilitate the shining of the light of Jesus Christ around the world. And here at Pathway, we work hard strategically to do that. We know our American dollar can go a long way globally. Uh, for example, in India, $2,000 will support a national pastor for a year. In Africa, $10,000 will build a church. In Afghanistan, $100 will buy winter coats and shoes for an entire family. So the impact that we can make globally with American dollars in many ways uh, supersedes what we can do right here in the United States. 
And so I really want to encourage you to give generously here at Pathway. We have a whole team of volunteers who work year-round to make sure that we are leveraging ourselves financially, locally, and globally in the most strategic ways that we can and the most responsible ways that we can. And it's just awesome to see all the work and the impact that really happens. Because in the end, there are so many things that we can do together that we never can separately. When we move together, big things happen when we move together that we cannot do separately. And one of the things that I wanted to share with you today uh, is about a special project that we're actually going to be doing with one of our partners uh, here in a few weeks. And um, we're going to give you more details in the weeks ahead. But what we're planning to do is uh, doing an extraordinary, really over and above gift uh, to our partners so that they can buy a special machine, special machine that's really critical to their work. And I'm actually going to go and surprise them this week, but I'm kind of having a hard time keeping a secret, so I just thought I'd tell a few people. <laughs> but I share that with you today because we want to keep putting ourselves in a place where faith's possible. We don't necessarily have budgeted money for this, but what we want, we want to do corporately what we're asking everybody to do individually. We want to take seriously Jesus' Macedonian call and his command to be able to say, we want to make sure and be shining the light as bright as possible. So I want to encourage you, give generously like we're trying to do corporately so that the light of Jesus can bright as, to shine as bright as it can through us together. And it's so powerful when that happens. So keep it up. And as we do it, I promise you we're just going to have a blast and God's kingdom is going to be impacted greatly because we're doing it. Now, the second way that we can shine the light of Jesus is by going. It's by going. And that's really what uh, the Apostle Paul and his team, they, they ultimately did. Because, you know, like I said earlier in our passage, they got ready at once and they went. They were immediately obedient to be able to follow the Macedonian call to the uttermost parts of the earth. They said, oh, God, that's it? That's what you want us to do? We're going to go and do it. We will obey. We are, we are your soldiers. We are, the, we are your followers. We will do whatever you tell us to do. And the truth is, there's a Macedonian call for every person here. There's a Macedonian call for every one of you. And the first step maybe for some of you today is to go virtually to virtually go. And we've got an incredible opportunity uh, coming up to go virtually with our global uh, partner, AIM, in Cambodia. And if you don't know who AIM is, AIM is our, our global partner who works to be able to rescue and restore uh, young girls caught in the sex trafficking industry in Cambodia. And what I love about what they do is they not only rescue girls from brothels, but they also provide a home for them to be able to heal and a way for them to be able to make a sustainable living. So, so they, to me at AIM, just have a very exciting, a very robust ministry. And, and on the screen today, and in your app today, there's a place to indicate your interest of in being a part of that virtual team. So make sure and go out and sign up for that today. But for some of you today, I want to challenge you not just to go virtually, but to go in person. To go in person. It's like when my friend Rob Dakin was sharing with me recently after he got back from a short-term mission trip to Kenya. Rob's a dentist, and he had some other dental professionals, uh, both from our church family and our community with him, and they went to the slums of Nairobi, Kenya. 
to be able to do a dental mission. And he, and he said that the trip was so impactful for him personally. For him especially, he loved the day when a little girl came in with a swollen face and, and neck and she had an abscessed tooth and hadn't been able to eat or sleep for several days. Her tooth, in fact, had gotten so bad it was literally putting her life in danger. But Rob and the other dental professionals, they got to use their skills to be able to remove this abscessed tooth. And that little girl who'd been in pain for weeks, she experienced immediate relief. And her relief was so profound that she fell asleep right after the, the procedure was done. And that little girl was connected to uh, our uh, Missions of Hope partner that we work with uh, in the slums there, and her and her whole family. And they were just overwhelmed by, by this help and this ministry that these Christ-following people had given to them, and it was changing them, and moving them forward in their own journey. And Rob said, too, it wasn't just the experiences that he had personally that was so impactful, but it was actually the experiences of other people on his team that really blessed him, and that were so transformative in their lives. You see, Rob not only followed the Macedonian call that God had put on his own life, but, but he took other people with him. And that's what we talk about here in our Pathway family, don't we? We talk about taking other people, walking alongside. He was walking alongside uh, of another man, and that man's name was Kevin. And Kevin was radically transformed spiritually by this trip. And when Kevin got home, he wrote in a statewide secular dental journal the following words. Going on an international dental mission had never been on a must-do or a bucket list activity for me. But no doubt the Lord took hold of my mouth when I uttered the word yes to Dr. Dakin's request. That all the worries any first-time traveler to a third-world country would have. Disease, food, safety, packing, accommodations. My list was actually endless. But I have so many memories of those two weeks in June. Images of the homes in the slum of the Mathari Valley. Alma's swollen face from that abscessed tooth. And Mercy Lynn's smile that lit up the room. And then Kevin writes this in this secular dental journal. 1 Peter 4.10 states, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. You see, Kevin following the Macedonian call to the uttermost parts of the world, it changed him. He joined God's mission in that way, he, in a way that he'd never done before, and now he's boldly talking about Jesus, his experience with his peers in this secular journal. You see, it changed him, it transformed him, and that's what happens, friends, as you and I just don't think about it, talk about it, but we engage ourselves in it, we start doing it, all of a sudden heaven comes to earth through our lives, and, and God's kingdom starts pushing forth around us, close in our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, locally, and then where? To the uttermost parts of the earth. Because the call here, the call here is for everybody. And I don't know if it's Nairobi, Kenya, like Rob Dakin and his team that he's calling you to, 
or if it's Phnom Penh, Cambodia with our AIM partner, or if it's in Tanzania, Africa, where we're going later this year. But I'm telling you, there's a Macedonia out there for you. There's an uttermost part of the earth that Jesus calls you to be able to go to. And maybe it's going to be through your going, or maybe it's going to be through your giving. But as you give and as you go, the light of Jesus Christ gets shined, and the world gets changed. And we begin to live out what Jesus told us to do, to be not only his witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, those places in our local, but to the uttermost parts of the earth. And it wasn't supposed to be sequential, it was simultaneous. That's what we saw back in the first century. That's what I was telling you I was seeing over there in India. And friends, that's what he wants to see here in our Pathway family. He wants to see it not only uh, be able to happen here in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, but he wants it to happen in the uttermost parts of the earth. And as you and I do that, there's incredible joy and power that happens as we move together to be able to help that happen. The world gets changed, and we get to be a part of Jesus' mission. And I want to say thank you for the way that we've been able to do that. But we want to continue to be able to do it in bigger and better ways, to be able to do all that we can in this leg of the race that Jesus has given us. And so as we begin to close today and close out this series, I just want us to pray about that, that we'd be that kind of community. I just want to invite you right now, uh, just at all of our locations, those of you who are watching online, just to bow your head, close your eyes with me. Let's talk to God about that. And as we begin to pray today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to think first about those Indian pastors that I told you about at the beginning of my message and they, how they followed their Macedonian call. That out of their poverty, they outrageously gave financially so that the news about Jesus would shine forth to the uttermost parts, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Think about that. And I also want you to think as well about Maria. Maria who came to know Jesus from Somalia. And how Maria continued to reach out to her friends back in Somalia, even though it put her own life in danger. But she's being obedient. She's being obedient to the call. And so today, as we wrap this up, if you'd say to God, God, I want to get better. I want to get better at following your Macedonian call in my life by shining your light by my giving and my going. I want to get better. If you want to say that to God right now, I just want to encourage you. Raise up your hands. Say that to God right now. Say it to God. Raise up your hands. If you want to say, God, I want to get better at following my Macedonian call to be able to shine your light by my giving and your going. Praise the Lord. Me too. I want to get better. I want to do all I can in this leg of the race to be able to shine his light. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father in heaven, I just thank you so much for my friends and my brothers and sisters and their desire and their commitment to be able to shine your light better. Thank you, God, for all the people who went before us who shined the light so that we could be able to have the light, God. That they were obedient to their, their call and their lives. And God, because of that, we're blessed. And forgive us, God, today for how that sometimes we get so preoccupied with our own world and our own things and our own agenda, God, that we don't think about others. We don't be focused beyond what we can see, God, but you call us to see, not just even to our local community, but to the uttermost parts of the earth. 
So, Father, we just pray that we continue to say yes. Yes to getting better. Yes to doing and following your call by our giving and by our going. Now, as we continue to pray right now, I know that there are some of you here today and you came into church and reality is you're in a real dark place right now. There's all kinds of things going on in your life. And we've been talking about the light, but it feels so dark in your life right now. And you feel like there's no way out. But I want to say to you today, know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the light of Jesus, he can easily pierce whatever darkness that you're going through right now, whatever darkness that you may find yourself in. Because he's the light of the world. He's a lamp to our feet. He's a light for our path. And so today, if you want to find your way out of that darkness and find the life that you're looking for, I want to let you know that it's in Jesus, the light of the world that can guide your way, that can light your path. And the way that you have Jesus, you is invite him in to be able to be the leader and the savior of your life. And when you invite him in, then he's able to be able to lead you out of that darkness and into his light. So today, don't miss that opportunity. You being here is not an accident. You hearing those words have been divinely orchestrated to be able to draw you so that you'll hear his voice drawing you to be able to become part of his family. So don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss what your soul, deep within your soul, it longs for. Have Jesus in your life. So I want to invite you right now. Pray this prayer with me. Oh, Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned. I've made mistakes. I've gotten lost in the darkness of this world. But today, Jesus, I choose the light. I choose you. I choose you to be the leader and the savior of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross to cover over and to stamp out all the darkness in my life. And I pray now, Jesus, that you would use my life to be able to go and offer your love and your light to other people. Now, with everybody's head still bowed right now, eyes still closed, if you said yes to Jesus today, if you invited him into your life as your leader and your savior, I just want to invite you to raise up your hand real high. Tell God that you're all in, that you took that step today. Praise the Lord, I see that hand. Raise your hand up wherever that you're at. Say, Lord, I, I took that step today. I want to be a part of your family. I want you to lead me out of whatever darkness I'm in into your wonderful life. You've got the power to be able to pierce whatever's going on in my life. Raise your hand. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me pray for you right now. Oh, Father in heaven, I just thank you for my friends, my brothers and sisters today who courageously surrendered their lives to you. God, I just pray that you just would give them a sense of your spirit right now, a sense of your presence. God, I pray that, uh, God, you bring people around, my friends and brothers and sisters here today that, may, that became a part of your family and encourage them and support them, walk alongside them. God, Lord, we just thank you that you're so good and that you'll always take us to incredible places. We love you, and we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.